be cropped over. That's the problem when I start talking to you. Oh, man. I love that was so- my Dr. Dre. <laughs> What? Gotta it, bust the flow. I mean, we we get into a conversation about cropped over, and it's it's Maybe tough. High, most high, it's like yeah, light when I rock the mic. All right, hey, have a good one. All right, welcome to the Cannabis Connection. I'm Christopher Carr, coming to you live and direct. This is Santa Cruz Talk Radio, Cannabis Talk Radio, the Cannabis Connection. My guest tonight, Lindsay. She is the founder and sole owner of Native Humboldt, a Native American woman from the Wailaki tribe, also a veteran and served in the United States Army. Native Humboldt Farms is located in southern eastern Humboldt County, California. It's a small farm, yet we're talking about loved-up special cannabis. The land was inhabited by by her tribe before the white incursion and then belonged to a third great-grandmother, Chow Row after the white incursion. The land became back to the family's possession into Lindsay's possession 13 years ago, and it is supposed it's the home of Native Humboldt Farms. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. Can thank you, t- you. Yeah, can you tell the audience where in the world? How, what, what's your view right now? What do you? Where are you in the world? Where am I in the world as far as cannabis? No, where are you joining us tonight? Can you paint the picture? Are you at the farm? Oh, I'm not at the farm, actually. I'm in Arcata, and I'm sitting here tonight because I have a, I have a manufacturing and distribution facility in Eureka, California. And tomorrow we're having or hosting like a farmer's market. So not on the farm. I'm up in Arcata tonight. Well, that's exciting. Can you speak to that, the bringing the people together in the direct-to-consumer educational opportunity and building community with it? I think that's actually might as well jump right in. Tell us about this farmer's market. Absolutely. I, you know, I've cultivated for 13 years now, and I got manufacturing. was one of the first maybe 250 licenses issued in California in 2018 on January 1st. Um, so kind of was like, you know, in it from the beginning, and we've watched, you know, all of the changes. And, you know, it's a brand-new industry, so there's been a lot of changes. And, um you know, it started, I think, with good intentions, and there was a little bit more transparency. And then over the years, like maybe 2019, um, as far as farmers trying to sell their products, um, we don't have contracts right now. We don't know what the cannabis is selling for. Um, so to give you an example, uh, cannabis has to go from a cultivator to a manufacturer or distribution, um, and cultivators can't go directly to selling their products, basically. And right now, farmers are getting about $600 a pound for their products, and then it's being sold to a distributor up here locally that then is reselling it to another distributor and possibly even another distributor after that. So by the time it gets to Los Angeles, you know, that price point is, you know, around 900 And so in the middle, people are taking hundreds of dollars from the farmer. And that's an issue right now because, you know, farmers really can't sustain on $600 a pound, right? right. They're definitely going to need as much as possible. I mean, and depending on your growing techniques and, and you know, everything like that, some farmers may be spending a few hundred dollars to grow it, and then you have trimming, and then if they're only getting 600 it's not going to work. So the idea of the event is to bring buyers from California, from Los Angeles, up to Humboldt County, and, you know, connect them directly with the farm. Another thing that's happening is that, you know, with distribution companies, the farmers aren't ever meeting the buyers. So they don't know who's buying it. They don't know what price it's going for. 
um, they're just completely in the dark and they have no control whatsoever. And as a small farmer, you know, I know that that's very problematic. Um, so in this scenario, which we're trying to create right now in this farmer's market, is we're trying to connect the farmers with the buyers, get them together, let them talk, let the farmer know exactly what the buyer needs it for. Um, right now we're not taking a fee. Um, eventually, clearly, you know, we're doing a lot of work to put it together, so we'll need to take some sort of fee. But even at that point, you know, it's not going to be $300. It's going to be something like $50 or maybe like traditional market where sometimes you just take $25 just to make it work or something like that. And so it's really to create transparency and kind of put more control back into the farmer's hands because right now, you know, they feel pretty hopeless. They don't really feel like they have control of any of that. And that's, that's devastating, you know. I mean, it's devastating for a group of people, a group of far- farmers that have, that really, you know, built the industry to the point where people thought that it could be a regulated industry. And they're just kind of getting pushed out and looked over and really have no control and are really feeling really helpless. So we're just trying to change that, create an event with transparency. And, yeah, I mean, it's in the early stages of it, so we're hoping that it goes as planned. Um, but at this point, it just feels like we all have to just, you know, try every everything that we can right now to, to survive up here. Word. Everywhere. It's been ups and downs. The market is volatile. Uh, but key key point is, yeah, the lack of tri- transparency is what I'm hearing and, and feeling. And that does need to be addressed. It needs to be organized around. I'm glad we're discussing it. And it's also key for the people to know about the situation from the farm. The farm is like such a crucial steward of the of the flower if you enjoy flower if you enjoy all the the benefits that we achieve from symbiotically investing our our life force into the plant you want to make sure those that are there directly you know the farmers they say the farmer's shadow makes the fruit sweeter uh, and that's something that's a very important important part of the process here and we need to support our our farms and, and especially the small farms, especially these legacy farms in across California. There's so many. I think one thing you mentioned is like we stand on the shoulders of giants in many ways, from the medical movement to the you know holding on to the genetics of of the old school. I think in your bio you, you mentioned Skunk One. Can you speak to that too? Like growing up in this legendary part of, of cannabis culture and the legacy of, of keeping it alive and through camp, through the trauma, through the heavy prohibition. And even, yeah. though, even though prohibition is over, in many ways it's not over. There's still things happening all over. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, everyone up in the Emerald Triangle in general has just, been through so much that I think a lot of people don't realize, right? I mean, we're in a really rural area for one, and we were, you know, the entire Emerald Triangle, specifically Humboldt, has been supported by cannabis solely for years, you know? I mean, it started out, okay, we had the gold rush, we had fishing, we had logging, and one by one, those kind of all dissolved, and that's why in the 70s when the back to landers, you know, came up here and they realized that you could grow really amazing cannabis here, that's why it stuck. And that's why it became a black market industry because it was the only thing we had here. And in that, you know, I mean, there really was like this counterculture and in that all of us dealt with a, a lot of things that people, you know, don't really know and just could probably never really understand because they haven't been through it. You know, it was really unique to this area, kind of like the things that we went through. Um, Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like when I was, my biological dad is actually Native American and his parents and um, his, his family grew cannabis. And so when I was born, 
my mom's family actually had a propane distribution company. And so they had money and they had this like legit job that was accepted. And when I was born, they didn't agree with uh, my my father's family growing cannabis, and they actually didn't let them see me. So they kind of threatened court, and if you want to see her, you're going to have to go to court, and we're going to say that you grew cannabis. And this is in, you know, 1982, and clearly, you know, you have no choice. You, you can't go to court and, and fight that and support that. So I actually grew up without them. They grew cannabis. Um, I didn't come in contact with them until I actually – uh, I was on my property where Native Humboldt Farms is for three years before I got in contact with them, and actually realized that that the land was my was my family. Wow. And um, yeah, like cannabis had actually kind of like brought me home, and it was kind of always in my blood. I guess I found out that my my biological father's family grew cannabis when I was about twelve, and you know, like any. Well, maybe not so young, but like any, you know, like teenager or something, you're kind of intrigued by that and kind of started getting into the cannabis industry. And by 15, um, that's when I I bought my first, I think, quarter pound of Skunk One (laughs) um, down in Southern Humboldt to sell. And I started selling cannabis. I kind of was out of it. I was in the, the military for a little while. I was a real estate agent. And then I moved back to this property and started cultivating again um, 13 years ago. But, um, yeah, and then I even experienced some, like, my family didn't agree with the fact that I grew cannabis. And so, you know, we dealt with the Humboldt County Sheriff's Department. We dealt with CPS. You know, we we went to court to kind of, like, keep my children. And, um, yeah, we've been camped on. We've had a crop camped on and all of that stuff. And I think that... You know, it's really important for people to realize right now, like when you buy an eighth from a dispensary in the legal market right now, it's really important to remember kind of like how we got here because there's a lot of people that really put everything on the line for this plant, you know. I mean, really fought hard for cannabis before it was really safe to do so. And it's really unfortunate because the way the market is right now, we're kind of being pushed out and we're like, Hey, we've spent so much of our lives fighting for this plant. And because of that, we have just this like incredibly strong relationship with it and respect for it. And when we get pushed out, that's when it becomes concerning. Right. Because like you were saying, like we, we put all this spirit and this love and cannabis is very like reciprocal and energy and, I really feel like I could take the same strain, the same cut, and the way I grow it and the love and the energy that I put into it, you can't get that from a farm in Salinas. And the end product shows that, right? And, like, that's the information we want to get to consumers, and we're not able to do that right now because I don't have millions of dollars, (laughs) you know, for marketing to get that out to consumers. So that's another thing with the events is that, it's about, like, we invited a bunch of bud tenders because um, they're really kind of, you know, they're, they're on the front lines to the consumer. And so we have some coming up from San Francisco. We have some coming from local dispensaries like the Heart of Humboldt and um, Heart of the Emerald. And we're trying to get them together with the farmers so that they can hear the farmer stories and they can hear the history of cannabis from the Emerald Triangle and realize that it's a superior product, not just because the energy we put into it, but I mean also because of our climate and our, you know, terroir and everything like that. So the event is also set up just kind of like as a platform where farmers from Humboldt and the Emerald Triangle can come together and kind of have a space where we can try to, we can get this information out because with corporate cannabis, it's really hard to get that information out right now. You know, like we, we don't have the outlets and we don't have the money to do that. And, and it's a problem. Yeah. Well, this can, it, it, I love the the connection, the direct, the cannabis connection to the people. It is unfortunate. The reality of the structure of this post prop 64 a world 
the farms rarely have the cannabis connection direct to the people. And I think this event is a very important piece. The the ongoing conversations and education piece, right, with the people on the front line, the bud tenders, the consultants, the growers need to be very intrinsically tied to that relationship and developing of the awareness almost in the same way fishermen have organized and had ways of advocating for price, advocate lobbying, unionizing, something to that way. I think uh, legacy farmers really should consider this opportunity because you're speaking to Santa Cruz Mountains, you're speaking to many other communities across California, across maybe the West Coast. It's important to keep that connection to the to the land and provide that quality quality kind herb to the world that needs to be out there and we need to support those putting in the work yeah it is important and it's also it's you know it's just such a crazy time right now because you know this isn't the first year we've all really experienced these very kind of like devastating experiences in the regulated market and it seems like every every turn we make we have you know these instances that are really affecting us as small farmers negatively and so now that we're years into this you know as a small farmer i can speak for myself and and i can also see that this is kind of the trend with everyone else we're tired you know and so i was kind of talking to some people about the event today and it's like i mean some people have been given up and and you know we we need to we need to band together, and we need to keep fighting. Like, we cannot stop fighting. Like, we have to, you know, we have to give it another shot, and we have to, if this doesn't work, we have to try something else. And, you know, I think it's it's difficult, too, because, you know, for every one yes you hear, you hear nine no's, and that's hard. And I think that that's something that we're not used to, you know, from the traditional market, or from cannabis in general up to regulation, like we weren't used to having to work so hard and we weren't used to rejection really. And, you know, it, and, and that's difficult, right? Like it's, it's hard to compete with these giant corporately funded companies and Salinas that have, you know, a hundred acres of greenhouses and it's, um, you know, and it's tiring and we're all kind of tired, but, you know, we, we can't get, give up and we have to keep, you know, I think just kind of getting together and, and tr- you know, trying every option that we have to to kind of succeed. And, you know, I, I feel like every year of regulation, you know, before the, the starting of the new year, I've always said, okay, well, this is the year it's going to stabilize, Right. And every year, 2019, 2020, 2021, it hasn't stabilized yet, which I guess is probably normal for just such a new industry um, and trying to regulate an industry that was already there. But, you know, that's really difficult. You know, there's always something that's coming up, and it feels like whatever's coming up is always negative for small farmers and more positive for, you know, large farms and corporately funded companies and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely, we're definitely in the fight of our lives up here for sure. Well, I'm glad you're getting together. It's, it's also important to just connect in a way that is, the, the, there's there's healing and getting together and we're social creatures and we all share this connection and kindred spirits i think it sometimes just showing up is 90 percent of it right and bringing people back back to the roots of why we do this and why we live this way and put ourselves through all this stress <laughs> when we're interacting with the herb which is the it takes away it all but it's still there well, and we were so used to, you know, our lives were amazing. We were just cultivators. Like, we only grew, we grew 99 plants, and, and you know, we had medical patients that were going to take the product, and it didn't really matter if it was trimmed perfectly. And so our lives were 
absolutely amazing before regulation, right? I mean, like, I feel so blessed to have gotten to experience that part of cannabis where, you know, we're homesteading and we're just growing cannabis and you wake up and you get to go out to your field and you didn't have the stress of branding and marketing and, you know, competing with, like, heavily funded companies and everything like that. And so it's a big change for all of us to kind of come into this really, like, cutthroat uh, industry where where the vibe is just not what it used to be, you know? And we're going, like, you know, how did that get taken away from cannabis? Like, how is that even possible? <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> I had to turn off my mic because it's so relatable and it's so crazy <laughs> how stark and yeah. dramatic <laughs> the shift. And it's... it's about- it's, a, it's another it's a bummer, it's a bummer. things yeah, change it's a bummer. It's, things change yeah but but the, yeah. but this now can change this too shall pass i believe for sure right for sure. things Absolutely. that's how it and, works hey and we ha- we have to keep fighting for cannabis right i'll, yeah. I'll tell you right now i know the, i know the cannabis spirit like i'm i'm very close with her and and she provides me with so much and i know that I'm supposed to be here fighting. Like, we cannot give up. We cannot let cannabis become just this bland, you know, you know, corporately funded product in this oh. industry. We have to let her shine through. Like, we cannot lose what, what she wants us to have, which is just, like, happiness and, yeah. you know, all of that. And, and, you know, so, I mean, we definitely have to keep fighting. Um, Right now, what we're dealing with is, so, you know, every year, you know, people try to hold their products until the summer of that year. So we'll harvest. Oh, yeah, speak to this. This is a tough, tough situation. Exactly. So, like this last year, we harvested, um, or, yeah, 2020, we harvested in the fall of 2020, and we decided to keep all of our products because normally it by the summer of 2021 of the next year, the price goes back up. Um, the year before that, in fact, during harvest of 2019, pounds were going for about like maybe $800 or something. But the summer of 2020, pounds jumped back up to 1600 And yeah, so I remember you know, that. we're all trying to budget. Yeah, we're all, and it really happened every year like that pretty much. And so we're all trying to budget and we're saying, okay, we're going to hold all our products. We're going to harvest. We're not going to sell anything. We're not going to make any money until the next year summer. And we're going to be fine. And so June rolls around and the prices are not 1600 In fact, they're lower than they were during harvest. And so they had dropped to like $500 or lower. And so I was going, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going, what is going on? I actually went down to LA for a little while just to kind of see. And so I went to a bunch of distribution companies down there and what I found was absolutely devastating. So basically we had thought, that, you know, the the oversupply of cannabis was because places like Salinas and Santa Barbara just had, like, so many farms had came online. Well, that wasn't the issue, actually. The issue was that they had came online and they were growing autoflowers. So Whoa. an auto, yeah, so an autoflower is basically, um, it's, it's ruderalis, actually, and it flowers automatically. So you can get multiple, um, you know, poles in one year. You can just plant it. It flowers in, like, you know, 45 to 60 days, regardless of the amount of sun it gets or lights or tarps or anything like that, and you can just keep doing that. And the it, autoflowers, when they first kind of started to come on the market, maybe a few years ago, they were really unstable. They were really inconsistent. You know, you'd get some seeds and plant them, and some of them would end up being four inches tall, and some of them would end up being two feet tall. And some of the varieties were four feet tall, and they were just, so, yeah. you know, unstable genetically. No consistent and then females. They were all, uh, no, yeah, no consistency whatsoever. And then 
they were testing under 20% THC. And so we're like, oh, auto, auto flowers aren't going to be an issue at all, right? It's, it's going to be fine. And this last year, this, this run that pulled in May, it had stabilized. And it was testing, they were all testing between 20 and 27%. Autos. And so, yeah, autos. Wow. Potent, potent autos. Potent auto flowers, yeah. They look like photo period? They look like regular packs? They they look like, they look similar. Yeah, chunky big nugs, I guess. Yeah, they're they're really big. They're a little fluffier. They're they they're super crystally and um they have like a decent smell. I I'm pretty sure when you smoke them, well clearly, like when you smoke them, they're it's not the same at all. I think the high lasts for maybe, you know, 10 minutes or something like that. I'm sure you end up with a headache afterwards and, you know, but have you heard about, you know, how consumers have kind of switched over the last probably year and a half to only buying based on cannabinoid content? Well, let's talk about it. But, yes, it's been an issue yeah. for quite some time, I believe. I think that yeah. even in the medical days, going off of the highest TA, once, once, TA, once testing, quote, unquote, because testing isn't standardized, it isn't all the same. You can go to different labs, get different results, shop around. Right. I mean, but yeah. once labs really took off and you introduced that into a retail setting uh it became this crowd of people going only by test results but uh, again the nose knows you gotta go for the flower yeah and you know what you have have to look into the story more too because it's like exactly like like we were talking about you know the energy is kind of transmitted into it and then like terpenes like on my farm um, you know, it could be over a hundred degrees during the summer, like on a summer day. And then at night it still drops down to like 55 or 50 degrees, that's a big which swing. is crazy. And that's yeah. A big, yeah. It's a big swing and, and it doesn't happen most places, but it does happen in humble. And, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure the science behind it, but you know, I mean, if you, if you're in a greenhouse in Salinas and it's so hot and the plants never get any reprieve, you know, from from the elements, um, it seems like when they're grown in our climate in Humboldt, you know, it drops down and you know it has a chance to kind of like get those terpenes into the trichomes and all that kind of stuff. So um, all of that definitely affects the end experience and. You know, that's not what people are. People aren't buying for the end experience. People are. I don't even know what they're buying for. I mean, just cannabinoid content, I guess. But well, there's the a lot content. of adjustments. It used to be you could open a jar at a at a shop, and the good old big jars with the chopsticks. At least you could get a profile of the nose and get into the right understanding of the terpenes and and developing flavor palettes and talking about lineages and how certain, you know, varietals have and families have a consistent terp profile and and that was important here with the the packaging that is also pretty wasteful yeah. you lose that there's a lot of lost connections in this post prop 64 world that we need to address as a community to just make it better in so many ways yeah. for for everybody yeah. So important for the farmers, but so important for everybody. Regulators could also see policy, responsive policy and adjusting things that are actually working. Things might flow better. The the same with the the, so many middlemen. You know, maybe there's a way to organize a base. And in testing, we talked about, too, the lack of consistency in that part of the supply chain standardization of 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 how you do a a lab and how you test for all of the key tests yeah Yeah. these are key things that we can we can really continue that work it's it's gnarly because it's just more work (laughs) but it's important and it is it is the future it is important no and you're like touching on everything that i've been thinking and that's why i'm kind of trying to to have these events where it's like 
everyone, let's get together. Let's let's identify, you know, those issues that you just lined out. And I don't know what the solution is. I don't exactly know how to make this better. But let's get together. Let's talk about it. And let's see if we can do something. Because, you know, we, and it is, it's a lot of work. Like, and people are harvesting right now. And, you know, people, farmers don't have time to come to these events and stuff. And it's like, we, we have to, we we have to, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, we, we need a farmer's union. We need some sort of, you know, system that continues to fight for us. Time has come. Set a base. That's where we, nobody gets any herb unless it's this price. I mean, that's the thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and you mentioned packaging. Yes, I had I had a distributor from L.A. call today, and they're like, yeah, we can take, you know, we can take a lot of weight, and you just have to bring it down to L.A., and we can tell from a picture whether or not we want it. And I told my husband, and he was like, that is so awful. Like, you can tell from a picture. You you you, you can't smell a picture. True, <laughs> you can't, true. You know, you can't, you can't feel a picture. You can't, yeah, you know, notice the terpene profile. It's, it's just a picture. And, um, you know, people are buying based on just looks, yeah, or the cannabinoid content. And like you're saying, labs, that can vary by lab. And then um, the other thing is, Brands kind of moved from jars to bags. And so in a bag, you can't see anything at all, at least in the jars, where a lot of people were in jars in 2018 and 19, maybe even 20. And now the majority of flour is actually in a mylar bag. That's a shame, too, because your flour is getting banged up and lost. It's all sad at the end of that experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, <laughs> yes, yeah, so people are, so I guess a lot of brands that, uh, flower brands that are, uh, you know, bagging up stuff in Mylar bags and the consumer can't see it, they're buying auto flowers because you know what the consumer can see? They can see the cannabinoid the content. It says 27%. And it doesn't say this is an auto flower, this is ruderalis, this is has no terpenes and it's going to be an awful high. It just says 27%. The consumer can't see it. So they're buying it and they're, they don't even know that that's what's going on. And my whole thing is like, how, how do we get this information to every California consumer? Like we have to because they're, you know, they deserve to smoke good cannabis yes <laughs> you know? yes not just autos in in nicely yeah. packaged mylar bags <laughs> with great graphics yeah. i mean that's it's yep. a, it's, exactly. it's tomfoolery it's good marketing and, yeah. and boo-boo product it's it's all designed yeah. it's it's unfortunate i mean that's that corporate piece but there's yeah. there's a spark and there's smoldering and there, you know this will catch fire over time I believe. I was thinking about even the consumers need to up their game, but it takes effort sometimes to care. Um, yeah. And and you, when you vote with your dollar, uh, it's yeah we need to continue to these conversations because people deserve to smoke the highest of the highest grade. And yeah, there's flooding flooding and stabilizing some ruderalis isn't quite ruderalis the auto i thought there was a lot of good in that transition from the inconsistent phenos to it becoming looking like a nice canopy i thought that was a cool from a grower's point of view just playing around with genetics and looking at that progression quickly was like wow awesome that's cool this is such a fun space but but what you shared to me and how the flood was related the 2021 glut that we're all kind of a part of and experiencing and was offset by autos that are just badass, yeah. badass autos yeah. that undermine the, yeah. the, the legacy farms. That's crazy. Uh, and that well, just yeah. snuck up on us. It just came up like, whoop, it took over bigger than the, out of nowhere. yeah, wild. That blows me away, but yeah, it's true. You could do tons of runs when it's a hundred day cycle. Yeah. So, 
Wild. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I'll be on. I'll, I'll be honest. You know, a few years ago, you know, we started playing around with auto flowers, and we grew a few, and that's why I know that they weren't consistent at that point. That they weren't testing over twenty percent, and and we thought of growing them, but. I'll be honest, I never in my life thought that autoflowers would be grown to be packaged. That's the thing. I don't think I ever thought that would be the way. You're so right, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's the one thing I I didn't say it. Yeah, it's almost like a, a, a bait and switch. You have a nice bag, but it's full of auto, and you're paying regular herb prices for autoflowers. It's like a switcheroo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People no, deserve better. Okay. The people yeah. deserve better. <laughs> yeah, they deserve better. I mean, it's such a shame. It is such a shame. And yeah, someone asked me the other day, they said, because I was explaining it to them, they had just went to a dispensary, and I was explaining it to them, and they actually didn't even know about autoflowers because it's me and you, we know, right? Like, we've, we've, we're experienced in cannabis, and sometimes I, I forget how people kind of like not in Humboldt or that aren't in the cannabis space really don't, don't, they don't know about autoflowers. And so they said they were just so amazed and shocked by autoflowers in general. And then they said, well, wait, is there like any labeling on the package that has to say like, this is an autoflower like this, <laughs> you know? And I, wow. I said, no. Wow. Said, no. You know, that's yeah. a good part of the, terms of the unions <laughs> we have yeah. to label oh, yeah. label your herb each unit yeah. correctly with yeah. flower time and so if yep. you see a hundred days on the label that's an auto if you see what yeah. eight weeks nine weeks okay that's regular that's crazy yeah. that's yeah you're right or yeah, just put I mean, the auto yeah, I mean, yeah, autos are crazy. I, I mean, I think I'm not exactly full cycle. I know by the by the time you plant it, it's like, I mean, it could be like 45 days after that, which is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, when you plant the seed, I mean, it's like in a day it's sprouted. And, <laughs> you know, in four days. Like four Very accelerated. Tall. No, it's true. <laughs> It's it's what pretty wild. It's here? pretty you're watching it yeah. grow. Yeah. Especially in a yeah. yeah. in commercial setting, it can really Yeah. pop off. But you're right, they're not as in in a dried pound, they're not or even in any jar or, or bag, they're not as tight, they're a little fluffier. Sometimes they're bigger in my experience. They're just big nugs. Yeah. Fluffier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nugs. And so, yeah, that's something yeah. to keep in mind when you're shopping. But yeah. some some things I'll you can't you, see. I was, yeah, I was devastated. I took some 2020 that was great. It looked good. It was ice cream cake. It, it stored well. We did cold storage and nice. took it down to L.A. And I'm like, okay, at least we're going to get 500. And then I went to a couple distros, and they, they showed me, well, let, let me show you, you these auto flowers we're picking up. And, you know, they had... Decent looking stuff um, that probably smokes really bad, but for I think it was seventy five dollars. It was untrimmed, but it was seventy five dollars a, a pound. And they, wow, a pound. And they they put it next to mine, and they said, and, and it was so much greener, right? Because it was just harvested in May, and I just was I just couldn't even believe it. I was. Like, this cannot be happening right oh, now. Oh, no. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's settled. We need to form a union. That's right. That's my takeaway, my yeah. marching orders. Or at yeah. least write yeah. down these key. There's, luckily, this is a recording, so we, I can re- reference this later. But there's, yeah, there's some key takeaways. And your experience is the most articulate one, it's your experience, right? But it's one piece of this greater uh, story of 2020 cannabis market and where we're at. Uh, and it's it's a, it's a hard spot for a lot of families and uh, legacy farms. It 100%. It's crazy, it too. You said it. Yeah. Some people are, are maybe done to the yeah. point of yeah, just absolutely. game over. We're over it. That's too yeah. bad. Absolutely. But it's also yeah. like we and, do need you know, to keep keep the keep keep it going 100 percent 
Oh, we can't give up. Yeah, we can't give up. And I, this is actually my second event that I had. I, I had one on August 7th, and it was good. I think we had 30 farms represented in that one. 15 actually came, um, 15 other ones sent uh, representatives. And, you know, someone came in from outside and kind of like from like the mixer area, and they said, that's the first time I've seen farmers hopeful in a long time. Nice. And, you know, that's great feedback. And, that's that's it. it. That's the calling it right there. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, and part of that, I think, is like we were talking about. It's just getting together, right? Having that community, yeah, having together. that support. You know, yeah, talking to the person sitting next to you and knowing they're going through the same thing. Yeah, empathy. And, you know, really yeah. uh, therapy, therapy, right? The group therapy yeah. in a way. It's crazy, but we yeah. have to articulate times are hard. We need, you know, a hug here and there and chatting. Yeah. You may not think it'll help, but it'll help. Yeah. It definitely feels it good while you're yeah. there, right, once you show up. Yeah. 
So we got the cheetah piss, and I think oh, it's the wow. lemonade times the gelato 44. It was immaculate. I mean, absolutely amazing. It was just vigorous, pathogen resistant. It yielded so much. I mean, you you have to see it at some point, actually. I mean, it's 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 the best <laughs> cannabis I've ever seen. And then we did two other strains that haven't been released by Cookies yet. They're releasing with the Sun Grown Initiative, I think, um, which will be at the end of October. Um, it's the orangutan and the sunshine number four. Both of those had never been grown outdoors. So we weren't sure exactly what it was going to do. They turned out amazing. Um, our farm's really cool. We have a lot of like native vegetation there. So we do, uh, we take like the blackberries and, and breed microbes and make fermented plant juices and fruit juices and can you speak to the apples yeah the apples specifically i'm curious like you mentioned in in writing the flower veg and flower uh yeah speak i'd love to learn about the apple part of uh flower cycle plants feeding plants yeah plants feeding plants exactly and actually yeah we have these old like kind of like homesteader apple trees on our farm, and then we also have these blackberries. So we take the apples and the blackberries. The blackberries have a, a ton of, like, microbes on them, microorganisms. So do the apples, and the microorganisms are actually native to our land where our cannabis plants are growing. So we take those and we ferment them. We basically feed the microbes with water and sugar. They ferment. And then, um, yeah, they multiply. We feed them to our plants, and we try to do that with a lot of the plants around our around there naturally. Because basically, you know, if the blackberry's in a flowering state, and we ferment that and feed it to our cannabis that's in a flowering state, our cannabis is getting everything it needs to naturally survive exactly where it is. You know, so it's really cool. The plants love it. Um, we're doing a lot of the work for them, and they they just end up super happy. Yeah, we came out with definitely triple A flower, and um, and it was it was a really good season. And then yeah, it was a really good season actually, probably my best. To be honest. Wow, give thanks for that. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Do you guys do any seeds or have any varietals that you kind of flagships that you've been working for quite some time yeah. to the terroir? Yeah, you know what. We- yeah, we we don't actually really we've done some breeding, but we've done we've done breeding for sure. We have a couple of strains, but nothing that we've really stabilized or anything like that. What's cool? The thing that we have that is cool is we have a sour diesel cut from 1999. Wow, that's that we've nice. Been able to keep it Whoa, yeah, so it's Rootsy. a true sour diesel. Yeah, um, cut from you know true gas. <laughs> so many years. 1999. Uh, yeah, over 20 years. Yeah over 20 years old so that's a great one but and what i will say though is that i was surprised by cookie genetics because they they actually are really strong and you know a lot of the times up here and people might get mad at me for saying it you know we want to hold on to these old ones but maybe sometimes we're going to have to budge a little bit and be open-minded and know that like hey maybe i i don't know the cheetah piss cookies got it right maybe, maybe new genetics aren't you know, the end of the world. And I think if anyone sponsored Cheetah Piss, they'd, they'd think that, you know. So we have to be open-minded and, you know, just keep trying to pivot and learn and, and yeah, try to make it work. Yeah, agreed. I think that's interesting, these uh, bigger groups that could put on these initiatives. That's creative way. I think it's a win-win for sure. It's smart. It's creative. Uh, did the, the, that's an interesting experience you guys went through growing out that cheetah piss yeah. and that's yeah that's pretty oh, yeah. pretty pretty interesting yeah, case in point for sure more of that can maybe happen yeah. on a micro scale too super loped sure. out groups you know collab absolutely and i said the cookies could have came in they could have bought their own farms and did their own sun grown but they didn't come devour us all you know they didn't devour everything they got behind us they're supporting us that are already here um, they're doing like a big merch collab that has my logo on it. It's going to be sold in all the cookie stores. They're doing a huge marketing campaign saying that Humboldt is the best, Sungrown is the best, you know, and, you know, that's, that's what Humboldt needs. We need more corporate companies getting behind us instead of trying to crush us, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's good. It's a win-win. It, it would be good, too, for Humboldt to take care of Humboldt because there's no – 
we need to take care of each other, ourselves. The corporate, there's always an incentive, right, to maximize the profit. But it's interesting to realign and organize around people and, and plant, uh, especially the yeah. way you're speaking to growing and, and operating. It's such a service to the land. You're building and feeding the microbes. You're you're stewarding the land, and, and that's the beautiful tradition. And it, it would be wonderful to have that acknowledged and embraced and 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 valued in the in that corporate setting but it's interesting i mean there's still room to grow and evolve and progress and i think it is good to have an open mind and we'll see you know we'll see it's not going to be the best thing i i don't know and clearly we've questioned that a thousand times and we're like you know what is that they are corporate so they have a corporate structure and we're saying what does corporate want out of this clearly it's not just to support us to be honest with you you know i mean we're not blind to that um but yeah i mean we just really have to try all avenues and not be like completely attached to anything right now um but yeah we are definitely like land conservation like we we are our um grow site we didn't like bulldoze a flat spot we kind of like tuck them into the natural parts of the land where they were kind of flat and you know to like adapt to the space yeah 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 so we highly encourage that and um, yeah, I mean, marketing through cookies is, is great. We'll, we'll see what the outcome is, but, but we need to band together. As yeah. Well, well and, and this is the key thing. Where, where can the people, down. yeah, where can, uh, where can people c- continue to participate or engage the work you're doing up north? How, how do they stay in yeah, touch? Yeah, so com. My name is Lindsay. Just reach out any point in time. Um, at Native Humboldt is my Instagram, so you can find me on there and go ahead and message me. Yeah, anytime. We're having these events every Saturday for the next six Saturdays in Eureka. So we're offering, we're having um, farm set up foods. Yeah, we have retailers coming, bud tenders, bulk buyers, brands looking for Everything from flour to beef to, you know, um, to smalls to whatever. Uh, yeah, let's get together. Let's possibly see if we can form a union. Let's talk to the <laughs> state. Let's try to change things. <laughs> Enjoy. Have a, yeah, that's it. That's it. Come together and feel yeah. all right. Keep it going. Well, thank you, Lindsay. Yeah. This is an excellent episode. Yeah. I learned a lot. Uh, it was a pleasure to connect, and good luck with everything, and keep in touch. If you're ever in Santa Cruz, hit us up. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the outlet. Yeah, absolutely. It's our pleasure. And, and stay up, Santa Cruz. Have a beautiful weekend, and tune in next week to the Cannabis Connection. I'm Christopher Carr. Have a beautiful night. Yeah.